It's Christmas, so you know what that means. More movies with the cinema crew with Village Cinemas. The gang is all back in Jumanji, the next level. Welcome to Jumanji. Not all of you will leave the game alive. Oh, oh no. Come on, get moving, get out of here. So cats with freaky human faces and cats. <laughs> Come on! Let's dance! I judge a cat by its soul. I've got plenty of soul. Spotlight and a drum roll, please. Milk! What if Hitler was your best friend in Jojo Rabbit? I was your age, I had an imaginary friend. Got me in so much trouble. I don't think I can do this. Mas, of course you can. And a Palm Dior nominee in Portrait of a Lady on Fire. to the Cinema Crew, the podcast that talks new movies every week, even on Christmas. My name is Michael Campbell, but you can call me Cambo. And joining me, as always, is the Jolly Vari McIntyre. Well, hi. And helping guide Santa himself, dashing Dan Miranda. Bah humbug. <laughs> <laughs> now, your chance to win a Gold Class Double Pass is a little Christmas gift from us coming up just a little later on, but first. Jumanji. I have one important question. Who is Jumanji? We're gonna die. Oh my god. Sequels that come out too long after the original have had a track record of being underwhelming. Likewise, reboots have been seeing smaller and smaller returns at the box office lately. But 2017's Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle did the impossible. It combined the two, equal parts a reboot of the 1996 original and a sequel, and most importantly of all, it was pretty good. Can this series maintain their level of excellence in Jumanji The Next Level? This one takes it up a notch, and when the players have to go back into the game to save one of their own, but the game is glitching and things are going wrong, and so some of them may not make it out alive. So I quite like the direction that they took Jumanji in. It wasn't a direction I think anyone necessarily like expected them to take it in. They've, they've gone kind of modern. They've turned it from a board game to a video game and they made it like a swashbuckling adventure uh, film. Mm. But they're surprisingly solid. I'm, I was, had no interest whatsoever in the uh, 2017 Jumanji when that released. And to my surprise, it actually ended up being like one of the more entertaining blockbusters and made like a ton of cash. Yeah. Mm. Well, what I think is very innovative with this franchise is the way that they've created these kids in the real world and then when they get sucked into the video game, they've got these avatars, which are obviously the famous Dwayne Johnson and, you know, Kevin Hart, but they're playing against type. Yes. So I think that's where... Interest comes. It really like uh yeah yeah Dwayne Johnson is is being inhabited by a very <laughs> meek like socially awkward teenager. Yeah. So you're right. There's those scenes where he's like, "Don't cry, don't cry, <laughs> don't cry," which is kind of fun. And then uh, conversely, Kevin Hart is being it's like a seven foot tall football player. <laughs> yeah. And he's stuck in the sh- body of short Kevin Hart. <laughs> 
So yeah, the playing against type is a really good like wrinkle in it. And even so much so in the new one, they've all kind of swapped bodies again. Again, yeah. And now you've got a Danny DeVito and a Danny Glover <laughs> as The Rock and Kevin Hart respectively, which is such a great way to, again, like they played against type in one way and then they've flipped it again mm. in an even more funny way. Like now it's kind of crotchety old men. It's got to be like the funnest role for them, I reckon. It must be, Yeah, right? it would be. It's also the fantasy for audience members to see themselves as players becoming the avatars. Like if you like playing video games, that's always the dream, being able to play someone in a video game and actually being able to experience what that is. They touched on it a little bit in the original Robin Williams version, but the game came alive and came out to the family who were playing the game and this is the opposite. They go into the game. Mm. So it's it's more danger as well. So you feel like you're a video game character and you're rooting for the actors and to get out of there. Because there is a sense that like that might not have any stakes to it. But there's this conceit that they uh, they come up with where, like in a video game, you've got three lives. Mm. And the more that someone will use one of their lives, the closer they are to being stuck in Jumanji forever. So mm. I like that they've still added, like, an element of seriousness to it so you're at least yeah. invested. Otherwise they could just die and die and die and die yeah, and it yeah, wouldn't yeah. be that yeah. interesting. Well, and then in this one the game is glitching. So yeah. that's why they're all in different bodies as well with the avatars. Yeah. So there's something wrong with the game and they have to go to new locations. So we've got the desert and the snowy mountains and they meet new people. So we get new characters as well, new avatars, as well as some old returning cast members. And, yeah, I guess the stakes are higher because they've got to save the game otherwise they all get stuck. They don't have to die in game. They will just be stuck there forever. And I think these films rest so much on the four stars. You've got Dwayne mm. Johnson, Kevin Hart, you've got Karen Gillan, who people might know from Guardians of the Galaxy or Doctor Who, and Jack Black. And each of them playing a character unlike, like Jack Black was a teenage yeah. girl last time, uh, and now he is the jock football player <laughs> in this one. Uh, but Kevin Hart's Donald Glover voice is so accurate. It mm. was really good. It's <laughs> so good. Yeah. And I love that they kind of like, it must be, as an actor, it must be so fun to be able to switch characters <laughs> like through a movie and play different versions of it and stuff as well. I wonder how the horse um, uh, researched the role of playing a teenage girl. Because <laughs> mm. apparently that's a character now. Yes, <laughs> I did see that on the standee. <laughs> so here's a weird wrinkle in how Hollywood franchising kind of works. So this movie is technically... Jumanji 2 in the fact that it's a sequel to the Jumanji that came out in 2017. But technically it's also Jumanji 3 because that in itself is a sequel to the 1996 version. But technically it's also Jumanji 4 because people often forget about a movie called Zathura, which oh, came out, which no. is it's a sequel to the Jumanji book. And there's been debate for mm-hmm. many years whether or not it's a sequel to Jumanji. So John Favreau, who directed the series, says no. Yeah. The director of this Jumanji movie says yes. Jack Black Ooh. says yes Jack as Black well, also says yes. I think so that's just a joke, though. It, it, it is technically Jumanji 2, 3, and 4 in one film. <laughs> so who do you think should see Jumanji the next level? So this is uh, directed by Jake Kasdan, who also directed the last one and a very funny film. Also called- a son of Lawrence Kasdan, oh. writer of Star Wars. Star Wars, the original. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the next so he also directed Bad Teacher with Cameron Diaz, which I loved. Yeah, if you're a fan of uh, jungle movies, as Dwayne Johnson is. <laughs> you know, well, that, that genre. He is. Like, he he in the jungle so is like a subgenre in Dwayne Johnson's <laughs> He did Welcome to the Jungle with Sean William Scott back yep. in the early 2000s. Rampage. 
Rampage. Yeah. Uh, one his, coming up. The one coming up, year. Jungle Cruise. Like yep. he's living in the jungle. So I think if, if you you've got more than five movies where you wear a khaki shirt <laughs> in the jungle, it's a thing. Definitely. <laughs> and I think it's it just boils down to that adventure film, which is like, you know, exciting, danger, comedy, obviously. So I think if, if you like all those things, come see it. Yeah, it's a good family film, not particularly for kids, not particularly for adults. It's got a wide appeal and it's, yeah, like you said, those action-adventure family films, kind of like Jurassic World, Jurassic Park, that film. It's party time. The most deserving cat will be reborn into another life. So they can be who they've always dreamed of being. What's your name? Cat got your tongue. When the trailer for Cats hit the internet, People lost their minds. Do the, why do the cats have such human faces? Why is Judy Dench's character wearing a cat fur coat? Did she skin another cat? Well, director Tom Hooper is no stranger to musicals, having directed the most recent Lame Miz movie. But can he make sense of the famously odd production that is Cats? Look, I'm more of a dog person, but, um, <laughs> but generally I would say musicals are one of my most favourite genres of film. I really enjoy them and I think Tom Hooper did an incredible job with his adaptation of the Les Mis film. Um, Russell Crowe and all. Except for the Russell Crowe <laughs> aspect, but otherwise I really enjoyed it. Yeah, this is uh, based on one of the longest running on Broadway and um, the sixth on London's West End. Um, now the story of Cats. Yeah, no, Dan, tell us what the story of Cats well, is. Well, this is a tricky one because um, we haven't seen it, but I don't know if that would help us. But <laughs> basically it's, it, Cats sees a tribe of cats known as the Jellicles having an annual ball in which they decide to which of them is bestowed to arise to a new a new life. And I think that might mean reincarnation, but I'm not 100% sure. Well, yeah, they go to heaven. They choose one to go to their cat heaven, which is called the heavy side layer. And um, basically it's based on the idea that cats have nine lives. So being ascended to their heaven is actually something that they want. Yeah, and we, sh- we should also make it known that although this is a movie, it was originally based off a musical, which mm-hmm. was originally based off a set of poems by T.S. Eliot. And for many people who know the show, it comes across as a plotless exhibit of dance and music with people in cat costumes. Well, and that, that's, it is. That's all it is. That's literally, I think, what it is. That's kind of the thing. So it's uh, famously reproduced as a musical by Andrew Lloyd Webber, mm. who's a very quite like he's quite esteemed in the musical theatre you know, stratosphere. Uh, but... This is a divisive play in the musical theatre thing because there are people that say, no, it's kind of beautiful and it's these little vignettes and, and then there's other people that say, but it's, 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 it, what, like, what is it? It's mm, with people in mm. cat costumes. And to Tom Hooper's credit, he seems to have just gone with the weirdness of cats. He hasn't tried to make too much of a, like, mainstream Hollywood film out of it. It looks as every bit as odd as the musical Cats is. Yeah, like if the people on the Broadway show wearing costumes were actually like consumed by their costume and it just (laughs) stuck to them like skin. Like that's what the CG version cat humans look like. Because they just look like realistic costumes. That's all it is. I did kind of think because there was a lot of people when the trailer hit saying, why are the cats acting like humans? But I remember thinking, have you never seen cats? Because mm, mm. the same questions are in that play. Why? Because are the cats they are human and they cannot <laughs> act like cats. No. And no. in fact, Ian McCallan recently, someone asked him, what do you think about people being so confused about it? And he said, we're humans playing cats. It's pretty simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We saw a recent trailer mm. where they've re-digitalized some of the scenes like mm-hmm. that they showed us. So from the first trailer hitting to where it is now, it does look 10 times better. Yes, yeah. And that's the thing. The, the way that the trailer industry works is they need to put it out six months before the mm. movie comes out, get people excited. 
but the effects often aren't done. Yeah. And by the time it comes out, they're obviously a lot better. Yeah. So they were like, it's okay, people. Uh, <laughs> it does look better. But is it kind of like the Sonic the Hedgehog trailer where they were like, oh, people didn't like it. We've got to work <laughs> on it more. Yeah, 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 and then true. they were like backtrack and say, no, 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 it wasn't like that. Uh, it was supposed to be changed. So I would say that the big thing that Cats really has going for it, other than the recognition of the title of the, the play, mm. everyone's kind of heard of Cats, is the cast. Yeah. It's got a pretty big cast mm. full Humongous. of pretty, like, heavy hitters. You know, we mentioned Ian McCallum before, Judy Dench, Taylor Swift, Jason Derulo for some reason, mm. <laughs> Jeff Hansen, and even Idris yeah. Elba. Like, they're yeah. so, people that I would never expect in a Cats film. Yeah. But Tom Hooper also, like, quite an acclaimed director, The King's Speech, The Danish Girl. Like, he is someone that is often seen through a prestigious lens, you yeah. could say. And it's interesting that he is doing something that is kind of dividing people a little bit, where generally his films are quite, you know, unifying. But not even just a bunch of Hollywood stars. We've got the writers Lee Hall, who did War Horse and Billy Elliot. We've got the choreographer who did Hamilton. Yeah. The mm. lead cat in this, who I don't know the name of, um, is played by Francesca Hayward, who is the principal ballerina of the Royal Ballet. And they've got a lot of professional dancers as the side cats, I yeah. guess. Not Jason Derulo for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> so that brings it down. But they've got mm. some really hard-hitting musical theatre greats on this production. So you would think it would be good. Well, speaking of adding, like, Broadway people, Tom Hooper's done this before in his version of Les Mis. He cast someone called Samantha Barks, who was from the stage version of Les Mis, but she was so good in that role that he's like, well, why recast it with like a Hollywood star? And he's added her back in. So it seems like mm. that's maybe something that he tries to do and try, like tries to respect, you know, because a lot of the time uh, Doubt is a good example. This was a famous stage play and then they turned into a movie and people that had played that role for like 10 years got chucked aside and suddenly it was Meryl Streep and it was Philip yeah. Seymour. But he seems to keep at least some of the like mm. – the, the people that from the stage show. So who do you think should see Cats? Um, if you've got morbid curiosity like me to see whether it works. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Tom Hooper did an amazing job with Les Mis. So I, I'm quietly optimistic that my expectations will be exceeded and that for the naysayers out there, they, they may uh, be a bit surprised and maybe they will enjoy Cats and become cat lovers instead of dog lovers like myself. Also still in cinemas, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. The epic finale to a nine-part film series spanning 40 years. And I like how we say also still in cinemas like Star Wars wouldn't be in cinemas one week after release. <laughs> yes, you can hear about that film. And in fact, every film that's in cinemas right now in our back catalogue, which you can access from whichever podcast app you'd like. Critics agree. Take away TD's Jojo Rabbit is a film that really shouldn't work. Exactly. Wait, no. But does. Thank you. Jojo Rabbit in Cinema's Boxing Day. Tiger with TT is on a hot streak. After his film Hunt for the Wilder People became the highest grossing New Zealand film of all time, he then took the reins of the Thor franchise to fantastic result. Now with a golden ticket in Hollywood, what does he do next? Well, of course, he makes a World War II satire in which the director himself plays Hitler. Does he pull it off? Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> I really enjoyed this one. It's set in 1940s Vienna and it's about this young boy, Johannes Betzler or Jojo, and he's a proud member of Hitler's youth army. And he's such a good little Nazi that even Hitler even <laughs> appears to him as an imaginary friend. But his world is turned upside down when he discovers that his mother is hiding a Jewish girl in their house and through this tense relationship that develops, he starts questioning his ideals. And it's so 
it's so weird that 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 plot doesn't sound like a comedy. Yeah, but this film is so <laughs> funny. It's so, like it's it's satire, obviously. So yes. uh, the, everyone speaks in a German accent, and none of them are good German accents. Like I think deliberately so. You know? No, I think they tried. I saw interviews oh, with really? them. They all tried. <laughs> oh. oh, don't tell them that. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, and even to the point where someone had asked Taika, uh, hey, you're playing Hitler. Have you done any research on him? And he said, no, F that guy. <laughs> yeah. So the, it's it's coming at it with through a lens of complete satire. Yes. It is based on a novel by Christine Lunens called Caging Skies that came out in 2004. And it's got some dark humour in it, but Tyker's obviously taken those elements and turned it into a fully fledged comedy. Yeah, I think for me, I enjoyed it less so than I was expecting to oh, because really? I really loved like all of Watiti's films, but for this one, I felt uh, I know it is you know meant to be subversive and you know comedic, but it's such provocative subject matter that mm. I, I found it hard to be laughing with. A well, lot of yeah, things. and yeah. I think a great example of what you're talking about is even the beginning of the film. I laughed and then I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's a montage of Hitler but to the tune of the Beatles and it's presented like Beatlemania mm. was sweeping Germany but it was yeah. actually the rise of the Third Reich. Yeah, and I remember I went, it was. Yeah, it that, was but like that's that. what I mean. Like, so I laughed at the comparison and I'm like, oh, but that's sad that that's true. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. And I think I, I've talked to, to a few people that have seen this so far and it is dividing people a little bit because, uh, and we won't go into any spoilers, but it, it isn't all laughs, it actually does handle some more serious mm. World War II themes. Mm. It never gets like, you know, it's not Schindler's List or anything like that, but I think some people were a little bit gut punched at times because yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't pull its punches when it comes to kind of the realities of what it's talking about as well. Yeah, which is why I think I really enjoyed it because it was a roller coaster of emotion. I, I agree. The fact that it went that extra level, I thought, mm. really made it. Yeah, I think maybe I was going into it thinking, you know, something like Mel Brooks's The Producers yep. and it's all fast, all funny. But, yeah, it does come with this, you know, <laughs> this weighted punch behind it and I felt like uh, obviously the intention is to make it a, a hilarious insanity portrayal of, you know, Hitler and all his many followers, whatever. But I felt like, yeah, I wasn't expecting it to go you as deep as it actually went. Yeah. I think I felt more confident, I guess, about it when I learned that Taika Waititi is – part Jewish himself. I and didn't realize Most of the that. cast is. Sam Rockwell is, Scarlett Johansson yeah. is, yeah. Rebel Wilson is. So I think he deliberately cast people that had uh, mm. like Jewish like uh, heritage right, mm. to play the Nazis in, in a way to be like, this is how much of a piss take this really yeah. is. Yeah. He, like a Nazi would hate this, you know. Mm. So the cast in this movie is pretty darn good. Yeah. And I think Taika Waititi is hilarious. And mm. that's not a word you often hear. Hilarious is Hitler. Um, mm. I thought Jojo was really great. But can we talk about how funny Sam Rockwell is in this Sam movie? Sam Rockwell. As yeah. the over-the-hill general that kind of hates the war, he he's just gives this weird performance where he's like an over it coach or something like that but he's like a military nazi leader and he has this weird sexual chemistry with Alfie allen from yeah. game of thrones <laughs> yeah it's kind of prevalent throughout the film the for me at least personally i thought he was the standout for me it was actually scarlett johansson i, I yeah, thought absolutely. She, she's the heart of this film and i felt that you know she she perfectly portrays in such a dark time that sweetness and that understanding of her son but also like with such a humorous and optimistic outlook on mm -hmm. life and teaches him humor and compassion but you know it, it feels like she's just living her life and she does a great job the main guy played by roman griffin davis who's the main jojo and his little friend yorkie yes. played by archie yates <laughs> it's both of their first acting credits 
And the main guy, Roman, has been nominated for awards for his um, acting. Yeah, as he should be. Yeah. I mean, I I often talk about child performers on this show. Mm. Sometimes people don't like it when I do, but I often (laughs) say that they're bad. But he is so good. So good. Sometimes you get, uh, Hayley Joe Osmond's an example of this in The Sixth Sense. A kid performing, like, you actually really hold, like, this, this, the thing, like whatever it is that movie stars have where you, you want to pay attention to them. Mm. And mm. honestly, he is in almost every scene of this movie Yeah, and never once did I think he really faltered at all. I thought he was really, really good. Yeah, and his accent was pretty good too. Yeah, yeah arguably one of the better ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> Simi- he has a British accent naturally, so maybe it came better. Oh, a little closer, right. yeah. yeah. But I think also similarly on that with the girl who plays Elsa, the Jewish girl who lives in the yeah. house, she was she equally. Also great, yeah. Yeah. So who do you think should see Jojo Rabbit? I think it would be near impossible for you to see this at the cinema and not leave without a feeling or a thought, um, whether like me it feels a bit strange to see children running around with guns or if you <laughs> love twisted takes on historical events through a subversive lens or even if it sparks interest in discovering more about the real histories of this time. So maybe people don't know a lot about the Gestapo or things that they talk about in this film. I think... Jojo Rabbit is certainly a conversation piece that will get you thinking as it is intended, but hopefully laughing as well. It reminded me of those movies like Death of Stalin, Black Klansmen. Yeah. Yeah, about historical events, but done in a twisted, dark humour way, which I love. And playing at Rivoli this week, we find Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Now, this was nominated for the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival, and it's a favourite to be nominated for the Best Foreign Film at the Academy Awards. Is this going to be a must-see for the cultural nuts these holidays? Ooh, uh, Cambo, I think it may be based off that intro. Um, we have <laughs> Very prestigious uh, <laughs> intro. <laughs> it's very prestigious. We haven't actually seen this film, but it is, as you say, a French film. It's subtitled. It's got all the makings of almost foreign film of the year type vibe. It's very beautifully written in this story. It's set in the 18th century in France where a young painter named Marianne is commissioned to to paint a portrait of a young lady who's left the convent in favour of marriage and unbeknownst to her, she's doing it without her knowing. And then they start having feelings for each yes. other. Yes. Which is cute. <laughs> yeah, it, it's from all the can, the, the buzz behind this movie is huge and it's the kind of, I, I sometimes I really love like a, a really dense thematic mm like challenging at times kind of a film. And this seems to be kind of like it ticks all the boxes that I like in a film like this, like something that you really just sit with for a while. It doesn't look like necessarily an easy movie to digest Mm. all at once. And I think there's certain movies that you sit there and you think about and maybe you even need to rewatch and there's like because the themes are so prevalent and they kind of pep it all the way through. So this is right up my alley. The French do romance very differently and very well. It's all about relationships and solidarity um, friendship, romantic, familial. It's got art in it, the the paintings. Mm, mm. Um, so if you like period dramas, foreign language films, it's that style that explores both the beauty and the pain of life. And I think also it reminds me of another famous film, Blue is, Blue is the Warmest Warm. Colour. Blue is the Warmest mm. Colour, thank yeah. you. Yes, yeah, so I think if you enjoy that film, you'll love this. Now, for your chance to win a Gold Class Double Pass, simply head to the Village Cinema's Facebook or Instagram page, look for the Cinema Crew post and answer the question. We want to know what you think is the best Jumanji game. Is it the board game, which is the original Robin Williams version, 
or the video game, which is the rock version? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I used to have the board game as a kid, so I'm oh, leaning towards that. So cool. But the video game does look fun. I'm not going to lie. I mean, apart from the peril that you're in, it looks fun. <laughs> yeah, simply leave your answer with the hashtag the cinema crew for your chance to win. Next week, Will Smith becomes a bird in Spies in Disguise, a remake of a classic story in Little Women, and Guy Ritchie returns to his roots in The Gentleman. Until next time, thank you, Vari. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thanks. My name is Cambo, and this is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas.